On your PC, iPod or smartphone, this is the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Coming up on the fifth edition of the girlsplayfooty.com podcast for 2016, we catch up with Sacramento Suns and GWS Giants player Katie Clant, Northern Territory star footballer Abby Holmes, CEO of AFL Europe Megan Hennison, and coach of the West Coast Eagles and WA State women's side Martin Pearman. All that and more on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Well, sometimes... I'm Peter Holden and thanks for joining us on the fifth podcast of 2016 here at girlsplayfooty.com. It's our 39th podcast overall and a bumper edition today. First of all, we're going to talk about Americans playing football. Kim Hemingway of the New York Magpies playing for the Sydney Swans. Katie Klatt of the Sacramento Suns playing for the GWS Giants. That all happened last Saturday at the SCG. Kim Hemingway, what a performance from her. Three goals, the leading goal scorer of the day, guiding the Sydney Swans to victory. Katie Klatt, she did well. Ten possessions playing on the ball for the GWS Giants. And that proves there is talent to be found outside of Australia for the AFL National Women's Competition starting in 2017. I've got Katie Klatt on the line. You may have remembered we did an article on her before she went to the AFL National Female Talent Search in Sydney. Katie, let's take the story back to what happened after the talent search in Sydney. Well, afterwards, it was a bit of a, you know... Um, unsure from there. I'm not sure. If, at first, I wasn't sure if I'd be invited back to the academy or really what my next steps would be. But um, you know, soon after, I found out that I was invited back to the academy, which you know I haven't been able to do obviously as I don't live in Australia. But um, I think that was just the first step to realize that you know I have I have one step down. You know, I have some potential there, and now it's time to really get moving and get learning more footy and get some experience so from there it's just been a matter of finding more ways to get that experience I guess. For those of course that that got added into the academy program they're based obviously in Australia they were training you know two three nights a week whatever it might be um, for you what specific program did they set out for you considering you'd having to do it remotely? Well it's less about a program that they would give me specifically and more um, let's find ways for me to uh, either you know come over which ended up being this game to plan the other day um, with the Giants or um, make sure I'm keeping my fitness up and it's sort of a we have to figure it out as we go because obviously this is unprecedented and um, you know we don't really know the best options so we're just kind of it's trial and error and finding ways to make it work from afar I guess and keeping in contact with everyone here. Of course, uh, recently you got uh, selected to play for the GWS Giants side. Uh, when did you and uh, for Kim for the Sydney Swans find out you'd be selected to play? Um, we found out a little bit just just before it was officially announced, just so they gave us a little time to make our arrangements to get back over to Australia. But, um, you know, it was sort of along with the rest of the other girls. We, we weren't totally sure coming in. You know, we knew it might be a possibility, but it was as much of a exciting surprise for us as it was for everyone else who was selected. So, um, that, you know, that was just too good of an opportunity, you know, to pass up. Now, I've seen it obviously in the exhibition games over the past few years when they had Melbourne and the Western Bulldogs and the girls created their own Facebook groups. Did that happen with the Sydney Swans and GWS? Was it almost like your own social media chat group within the players to get to know each other before the game? 
Well, I'm not sure about the Swans. Uh, I, would, I didn't ask him about that. Um, for the girls in GWS, you know, we all came from um, a little bit more varied backgrounds or, I guess, varied areas um, that don't play together as much as the Swans do. But um, some of the girls I'd met from trainings and such, but we didn't exactly have a Facebook group, but um, everyone kind of knew who each other was and we sort of um we all actually got to stay together the night before the game as people came from out of town and we did a lot of you know get to know each other and had dinners together and stuff so um it was more right in the lead up up to the event rather than weeks before but uh we did do try and do some team bonding stuff you know right right before the game when we were all together in the same place and for you, for those uh, couple of training sessions that you had when you came to Australia just a couple of days out from the match, what was it like for you personally? Uh, are you able to absorb anything in that's being taught during those training sessions? Or is it almost like it's in a surreal world, you're on a virtual high that, you know, is this true? You're, you know, an AFL footballer. <laughs> I think the surreal part was when I actually walked out onto the field. But the trainings, you know, the, the trainings were... Like those were amazing. Those so far, I have learned so much from those, and so many things that I can share with my uh, other teammates at home. You know, and just being with girls who are experienced and have known about the sport for so much longer than I have. You know, it um, it it was it was just so fun. You know, it it was great to have a run, and and I, I felt like every minute, every drill was something new to learn and to absorb in, and I I. I just, yeah, I can't say enough about how amazing these training sessions were to just, just, just as much footy as I can get, you know, it's all gonna, it's all gonna help me improve. And I guess that looks at developing the game in America. How important is it for that type of coaching that you've been taught over the weekend that some of that, whether it be through you or someone else gets passed on to those uh, women's clubs in the USAFL? Oh, I mean, it, it is so important for our growth. We have some amazing coaches and talent over in the U.S., but it's just obviously not in the same numbers that, that is out here, you know, it's not in the same quantity, so this means that there are more people that can bring that knowledge over and spread it to more of the women who are playing, um, so I think, and it just add, adds to what we already have, you know, and uh, I, for, like, I can think of drills that I'm going to remember and bring back to my own trainings and might, you know, tell other girls and on other teams about, you know, it's all that stuff is uh, just going to add to what we already have and keep us growing because we're trying to, you know, recruit and get numbers as well in the U.S., so anything will help. When did you find out that you were going to be put on the ball for the GWS Giants? <laughs> well, um, it was on the, that day. <laughs> I pretty much played, um, at, like, every position. <laughs> um, and... You know, it was I, I moved around a lot. I played. I started in the forward, and that's a new position for me. But um, you know, I they they sort of helped me out. My teammates on the field helped me out, knowing where to be, and then put me in defense. They put me on ball. It was <laughs> I was kind of all over the place, but it was great to be able to have an impact on it, and you know, be around girls who could definitely tell me where I needed to be. And you know, I had help every step of the way. From my teammates were amazing and helping me know where they wanted me, where they wanted me next. It was it was great. What does it mean to you to be able to sit down and actually look at your own personal champion data stats, which obviously shows that you had 10 possessions? Yeah, I mean, you know, <laughs> it's still kind of, that, that part's the, the more un, unreal part. And, like, it seems kind of funny that now I have stats, you know. <laughs> That's not something that would have ever 
been possible before, really. But um, and it, now I, I what I want to do now is watch the game. Um, it's not I haven't been able to find it online yet. I think it will be in a few days, and I want to watch myself play and understand when exactly these disposals were and how I impacted it and where I maybe could have had more or where I could have been to, you know, be in a better position for other plays. So um, I think these numbers will help me going forward to learn and grow as a player. Indeed. And, of course, with yourself and Kim having to come out from the U.S. just recently to take part, you know, your second flight out here, uh, were you supported by either the clubs or the AFL to help cover the cost this time around? Um, no, we um, we did our own flights, but uh, the, the AFL put us up, um, so our accommodation was paid for while we were in Sydney. Um, and and when I was staying with the Giants girls, you know, we had a team dinner together, and that was all, you know, all that was through the AFL and stuff. And we had like lunches and stuff after the game. So, you know, some of it was on my own, and some of it was through the AFL. But you know, it's to me, it's worth it. You know, the money to come over here because. I mean, what an amazing experience. You know, I'd do it again anytime. And when we talk about doing it again, will you take up the option if uh, if you were one of the players that got selected to represent New South Wales against South Australia in June? Oh, man. I mean, you know, I just got to wait and see what happens. It's it's all on a case-by-case basis. You know, every time it's, it's time I have to take off work or, get, you know, get my schedule to work right, and it's a lot more money. So I, as long as I can swing it I will but you know there's just who knows what the situation will be when the time comes you know and I first things first let's just see what happens and you know going into this game I didn't even know that that until very like a day or two before the game I didn't know that we were vying for selection for another team I I was just coming to play (laughs) like I didn't know there was something after this so that part isn't even in my mind <laughs> because I didn't even know that it was possible. So if that happens, that would be an amazing bonus. But, you know, I honestly, like if it doesn't, that it's, you know, I just, I got this great experience here and I just need to get more, you know, I, 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 I don't know. We'll just have to see what happens. Now, I know it happened against you because she was playing for the Sydney Swans, but what does it mean to you as an American to see at the other end Kim Hemingway kick three goals and be one of the stars of the match? Oh, I mean, it was so amazing. I'm so, I mean, I'm proud to call her one of my teammates in the U.S. And, uh, you know, she and I have been kind of together in all this the whole way leading up into the talent search all the way through now. So, you know, we've kind of, We've chatted a lot, you know, and just helped each other through this as there's a lot of, there's just been a lot of stuff that has gone into this and a lot of things we've had to figure out. And I'm just so happy that, you know, she did well. She does her job well. Like, she knows how to kick goals, you know. She she can always respond. Like, she can always do that every time. So, you know, I'm really happy for her. And, you know, I knew I knew she could do that. No doubts in my mind going into this game. And Katie, just before we let you go, um, in, in the 24 hours since that match, what feedback have you had from your friends back home? Not just the Sacramento Suns, but the other friends you have throughout the U.S. Well, you know, with with the Sacramento Suns, like they were all watching it and you know cheering me on. I know, and but my my other friends, the ones who don't who didn't really know footy existed before I told them about this sport, you know, they they are all just like, what is this crazy thing she's doing? This is awesome. You know, they're following it. They're, watch- they're watching the game and probably don't understand half of what's going on, but they are really excited for me and really happy that I'm doing something that I love. And um, I think they're kind of also like, you know, kind of surprised at the amount of 
you know, support that that I've gotten through this and how kind of big it's big of a deal it's been for me in my life. You know, they when I knew them before all this, we didn't even know it existed, and now here I am flying to Australia a couple times in a year and and playing, you know, in this awesome historical ground and all that. And I think they're just like. This, whatever this is that she's doing, this is really cool. <laughs> well, Katie, thank you very much for joining us on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, and we wish you all the very best in the rest of your footy journey. Thank you. Now, the Sydney Swans versus the GWS Giants was just one of three AFL women's exhibition matches held over the weekend of the 9th and 10th of April. Another one was held at the Peanut Farm Reserve in St Kilda between the Northern Territory and Tasmania. One of the stars of that game was Abby Holmes for the Northern Territory, who just a few weeks beforehand won the best on ground honours for the NTFL Women's Grand Final playing for Waratah. We've got Abby on the line. Abby, Thanks very much for joining us here at girlsplayfooty.com. No, thanks for having me. We're talking about a, a hot patch of form. First of all, best on ground uh, for Waratah in the grand final. What an extraordinary era for that club. What was that, the fifth premiership in a row? Yeah, five in a row for the Mighty Tars. And, um, you know, I've been pretty lucky. I've been in, well, was in the territory for four years and been lucky enough to play in four of those uh, premierships. But, um, you know, they're such a proud club and, you know, the girls... We train very hard, twice a week and obviously games on weekends, but um, Colleen Gwynn has been our coach for the last few seasons and we've got the utmost respect for that lady, um, you know, both you know, from a footy perspective, a personal perspective and, um, you know, the way she's with her family as well, she's just an all-rounder, a great lady and, um, yeah, was a fantastic um, coach for Waratahs for the past two years. And, uh, of course, that uh, gave you some red-hot form coming into this weekend. It was talked about by your coach, uh, Andrew Hodges, for the Northern Territory uh, Thunder women's side, that uh, you'd all just come off what uh, is the wet season in Darwin, so you're all primed, ready to go. Um, didn't actually get off to a great start in Victoria on Friday night where you had a loss against the Victorian Academy side, but I believe there was a fair turnover of players between those two matches. Yeah, yeah. So obviously the NTFL competition runs completely opposite to everywhere else in Australia. So we run October through March. Um, you know, so the girls are coming off the NTFL season. We, you know, we felt our match fitness was there, was there coming into this weekend. Um, yeah, obviously it was a tough night on Friday against the Vic Academy. But, um, you know, that was our first hit out with the girls as a group. Um, we've all come together from all across you know, the territory from Alice Springs to um, obviously Darwin and you know, a wider, wider community as well. But um, So that was our first hit out. That was a bit of a lesson for us. It was just us finding our feet, working out each other's strengths and weaknesses ahead of, you know, the women's exhibition match. That was a really, really important one for us yesterday on Sunday. How hard is it planned to going into a game against Tasmania? They had the advantage of kind of looking at you because obviously your grand final was live streamed on the web and a number of the players from Waratah and the Wanderers played in that game. So they kind of got an idea of who does what. Considering there's very little or no vision of Tassie women's football, how do you plan going into a game like that? Yeah, you know, we knew that Tassie were going to come out firing um, yesterday. They're just as passionate about their footy as we are. And, you know, it is it is hard not knowing too much of the background um, to individual players. But um, we knew that they'd be, you know, training hard ahead of this weekend and would come together as a team and give us a really good hit out. We, we at the Territory, had a good blend of senior and junior players. Or, um, you know, same for them also. But I do think that they had quite a... a you know, a junior presence within their side. So it was great for them to come out yesterday, have a really good hit out against us. And I think both, you know, the Pazzi and Territory prove that, um, you know, there's a wide talent pool in both of that, that state and Territory. 
an interesting game for three quarters where they stuck with you. In fact, at three-quarter time, they were leading by eight points. Yes, yes, it was a bit scary at that three-quarter time mark, but um, I'd back our girls in any day of the week in that last quarter. I knew that our match fitness was there. Um, I knew that we'd be able to, you know, give 110% in that final quarter. Um, yeah, so we, you know, we speak of our pride, that's our big team model. Um, motto, sorry. Um, you know, we really wanted to put territory footy on the map and show that we do have so much talent up there. And it's incredibly exciting, obviously, coming into 2017 where that national competition is going to kick off. And, you know, hopefully um, all things going to plan. The Adelaide Football Club will get a licence and we'll be able to do a collaboration with them. And I know it's something that Michael Solomon, who's the CEO of AFLNT, is working extremely hard on. Um, you know, with David Noble, you know, it was fantastic to see him in attendance yesterday from the Adelaide Football Club. Um, you know, so everybody's just pushing hard for this women's competition in next year. But I think in particular the Territory and, and Tassie are really trying to put their best foot, foot forward to show that they do have athletes that deserve to be playing in that competition next year. For the most goals in the game, you shared the honours with Crystal Rivers also kicking three. Yes, yes, I was lucky enough to get on the end of a few. I also kicked an absolute shocker, so I wish I could have that one again. Um, but yeah, girls were sensational yesterday. I thought, you know, some of our senior players in Ange Foley, she, she never, well, very rarely has a bad game. Um, Morgan Johnson was sensational with her run off the back line and through that midfield, and Sally Riley's always strong through the middle. Um, and some of our youngsters, well, Taylor Thorne had a ripper game. Um, and so Sam Malboy, she was great for us as well. Um, but Crystal Rivers, she's so strong in the forward line. She's, you know, played a lot of footy over her time. And, um, you know, I hate coming up against <laughs> against her. She plays for Wanderers in the NTFL. She's um, such a fierce competitor. So it was great to have her on my team yesterday. And Amy Chittick, one of the other uh, younger girls named in the best as well. And you mentioned Taylor Thorne. Uh, she did suffer some concussion during the third quarter. Has there been any more word on that? No, unfortunately, I haven't heard too much on her form. After the game, she seems to be in pretty high spirit. So, um, you know, I think I think she's okay, and she was very influential for us in the first, you know, the first half in particular before she went off injured. So, she's one that I really think that um, you know recruiters should look out for. She's moved down here for school, um, well, for uni, I should say. She's playing for the Eastern Devils, I think it is. Um, yeah, so she should have a really strong season with them and put her best or her hand up to be selected for that national comp next year. And, of course, uh, she went pretty good in her first game, which was against the St Kilda Sharks last week, which was our GosPlayFooty.com radio match of the day. Um, before we talk about your future, let's look a little bit about your past. Uh, we've seen, particularly in the NTFL Grand Falls, you're playing a bit more in the midfield. What's all the switch to there, considering you were a forward, and a few years ago, you're the first woman to kick 100 goals in the NTFL women's competition? Yeah, so traditionally for me, as I said earlier, I've played footy the last four years, so traditionally the first couple of years I was in that forward line, um, so kicked 67 in my first year of footy and then um, went on to kick 105, but um, you know, that's not an individual accolade, it's more like it was definitely the girls' ability at Waratahs Football Club to push that ball into the forward line as many times as they did, I was just lucky to get on the end of them, but um, yeah, I think for me it was more or less bringing some new components to my game. I guess a lot of feedback um, from some of the AFL um, recruiters and selectors was that my game was a little bit one-dimensional. Obviously, you know, leading out of the square, taking a mark, kicking a goal. Um, they wanted to see a little bit more of what I could do up the ground. So that's something that I've really personally been working on. Um, I've really enjoyed my time in the midfield, though. I, um, you know, I love 
running around a little bit more and, and getting a little bit more of the footy as well and um, just being able to read the play a lot more and work with those midfielders has been something that um, yeah, I've really enjoyed over the last few years. I'm surprised that recruiters call forwards uh, one-dimensional. There's a bloke called Plugger who didn't look very fit, but he kicked 1,300 goals, and I'd take that one-dimensional any day of the week. Yes, yes, and, um, you know, I look back on it now, and, um, you know, obviously back then when I did kick the 100, it was it was very strange. Like, I kicked off a step. I've been, since then, working on my kicking technique to try and have a little bit more of a run-up, and, um, yeah, so I've been working very close with the guys at the um, AFL or the NT Thunder Academy up in there. So Andrew Hodges, Wally Gallio, and uh, Becky Taylor head up our NT Women's Academy. So have been, just been working with them to try and really bring some more components to my game over the last 12 months. That 100 goals, though, did take you places. It got you noticed onto the national stage. And for you, that was a spot in the EJ Witten Legends game and then backing up for the slowdown. Yes, yes, it was a bit of a whirlwind um, that that year. Um, so it was actually Shane Crawford was up in the territory and he had an Auskick clinic that he was running and he came out to one of um, our NT Academy trainings and um, just caught wind of my story and asked to catch up and um, you know have a bit of an interview and from there he just as a passing comment said we'd love to potentially have you and the All-Stars team for the EJ Witten Legends game and I just thought it was a passing comment and nothing would come of it but uh, yeah Crawford's sensational and got me involved and um, you know it's something obviously the EJ Witten Foundation is you know the charity that that game is run for and it's something that's very close to my heart as my father uh, grandfather sorry did have prostate cancer as well but um, so the charity the game everything is just sensational I've absolutely loved being involved for the last few years and I've met so many incredible people and made some incredible friendships so um, yeah and obviously with the slowdown as well uh, McDermott got me involved and um, you know I'm a Crows girl originally being a South Australian so it was great to form the colours and play alongside my childhood footy hero and Andrew McLeod so um, yeah it's just been a lot of fun the last couple of years. How do you pack it all into your sports calendar? Checking on your website, checking a little bit of your history. Um, you've got netball in there, and if I'm correct, you represented Australia at schoolgirls level, and of course, you competed in figure and fitness competitions. Yes, yes. <laughs> um, yeah. So obviously, netball's been my background. Um, I played, was lucky enough to represent Australia at a junior level when I was younger, and then represent South Australia for about eight years. Um, from during my teens and early 20s before heading up to the Territory where I then moved on to represent NT so I jumped ships there <laughs> um, but yeah it was through the netball girls up in the Territory that actually got me to go out and try my hand at my first competitive season of footy at Waratahs so um, I had had a little bit of a, a blend in things that I've tried and obviously you know bodybuilding was something I've done um, you know, on and off, I did or competed. My first comp was back in 2013, um, but that was a lot of fun as well. And you know, that's kind of been pushed to the side um, as as footy and that will definitely take precedence there. And talking about having to push some things to the side, you're pushing your life to, to the side at the moment. It's been revealed that you are moving to Melbourne. You're going to base yourself in Victoria for the next six months. So I guess it's pushing netball aside a little bit. And, uh, well, obviously, maybe career as well, because you're a real estate agent in Darwin. Um, what do you plan to do over the six months here in Melbourne? Yeah, it's a little bit uh, scary for again here, if I can use that word. And obviously, I've never missed a season of netball since I first started when I was about five years old. So um, it'll be interesting to see how much I miss that. But yeah, obviously, I've decided to make the move down to Melbourne for the next six months for the footy season and just see what happens, really. I'd love to, you know, play down here and, um, you know, get a little bit of experience in 
you know, what is, I guess, regarded as the best competition in Australia, um, women's football-wise. Um, but, yes, yeah, so obviously leaving my life up in the territory at the moment, real estate world will still kick on without me. I've um, still got my emails connected on my phone, so I'll try and do as much as I can from afar. Um, but, yes, yeah, so I've made the move down here. I want to get involved with footy, and um, I'll be doing some... Um, some boundary commentary in the VFL, which I'm very excited about. So that's kicking off this weekend. Um, yeah, nothing like throwing me in the deep end with a grand final rematch for So I've got Williamstown and Box Hill. Um, but yeah, so just trying to gain as much experience in, in as many different arenas as possible. And the tip of that one, always back Weemstown at Weemstown. Um, we, we look at you playing here in the VFL women's competition. There's 10 clubs to choose from. Have you picked your lucky winner yet? Not yet. I, um, I came down with the NT Academy, obviously, on Thursday night ahead of the weekend and um, organised to catch up with Darren Flanagan quickly for a coffee on Friday before we went down and played the Vic Academy. So, um, yeah, I have had a chat with him. Um, he's given me his recommendations, but I haven't necessarily had a chat to any of the clubs yet. So definitely looking to play. Um, but, yeah, as I said, I haven't determined who yet. Oh, yeah. <laughs> well, if the word got out on Sunday we're at the peanut farm, A, the Sharks would have put a claim in, B, the league caller Joe Wadden, the Eastern Devils president, would have put a claim in, and C, Shiloh Curtis, I think a former Melbourne Uni player, would have also put a claim in. So, uh, fair to say, you'll have a few offers. <laughs> Indeed, indeed. And we look forward to finding out in the, in the next few days uh, which jumper that you're going to uh, pull on. And I guess that leads to the question um, with 2016, uh, pardon me, 2017 in the Women's National Competition. We know there'll be 16 marquees and the rest are going to be essentially drafted to the state. The NT girls teaming up with South Australia and the Victorians being split amongst four teams. So for you, depending if you enjoy your next few months in Victoria, do you see yourself... Uh, being uh, claiming yourself being based in Victoria to be amongst one of those four clubs, or do you think your chance might be better going back to the Northern Territory and aiming for a crow spot? Well, it's funny because you look at my background, and I'm obviously an ex-South Australian who has been living in the Territory, so I think, you know, and also being an Adelaide Crow supporter from a very young age, I would love nothing more than to represent that club and um, pull on that Guernsey and those colours. So I would love to push to um, yeah, be involved with the Adelaide Football Club and the NT in the 2017 competition. But um, yeah, at the end of the day, just, just hoping to get the opportunity and, and being there no matter really you know, who, who the colours are. But um, obviously being a Crows girl, I would love to pull their colours on. <laughs> Well, Abby, thank you very much for joining us here on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast and we wish you all the success in the Victorian Football League women's competition when you choose that club and, of course, the uh, draft coming up expected in November. Thank you very much. Now, before we talk about the third of the AFL Women's Exhibition matches that was held over the weekend of the 9th and 10th of April, let's take a step back for the moment. We were talking earlier with Katie Klatt. She was a USA player that played on the SCG. Here at girlsplayfooty.com, we've been talking about having to expand how we look at women's football, not just in Australia, but the great talent that's happening overseas. In North America, we know of some great Irish talent, and there's other talent developing throughout Europe. In fact, the game is growing rapidly over there and that's why I've got on the line to talk about it the CEO of AFL Europe Megan Hennison. Megan thank you very much for joining us. Thanks for having me. 
me. Happy to be here. First question we have to ask before we jump into everything women's footy, how did someone from America end up in the role of a CEO of an Aussie rules competition? <laughs> it's, I get that a lot. Um, I was actually, my background with the AFL uh, sits with the uh, lovely uh, set of boys over at Port Adelaide. Um, I used to own a sports management company which organized uh, high-performance training camps in the heat, and they came to me in Dubai for two preseasons. So they introduced me to the game. Uh, I sold my company, uh, ended up coming back to the UK where I spent 10 years uh, prior to my time in Dubai, and then here I am. Now a CEO of AFL Europe and a growing competition, not only in the men's, but we're talking about the women's. Uh, recently, we've been talking about the AFL London competition, which has been expanding. But let's talk about the rest of Europe. Uh, just recently, you've come off the back of a, uh, a Champions League. Yes, yes. Our Champions League, we had five women's teams participate. And our Champions League runs uh, similar to the UEFA uh, structure and that it's a club competition over an international competition. So essentially, uh, we're here to promote everything, you know, on the club side and on the uh, international side. So uh, I'm happy to say we've got um, virtually all. We've got a women's team in about 14 of our 22 countries within the federation. Now, we want to have a look at women's football, as we always do here on girlsplayfooty.com. We know that, at least for men, there's been always some type of Aussie rules competition overseas somewhere of some standard. Uh, But for women, it's only been recent. In London, it only started last year. What's been happening, particularly in the non-English-speaking countries? How's that been going to try and attract women to this foreign game? Right. Um, So essentially, uh, the the areas where we're strongest, uh, we've got the Women's Nordic AFL, uh, which consists of, on the club level, uh, teams, the Odense Lionesses from Denmark, two Swedish teams, the Port Momo Lynx and the Helsingberg Wolves. And in Ireland, we've got two women's clubs playing and an incredibly strong uh, international team. Scandinavia, we have teams in Norway, Sweden, Denmark, Finland. France, we have an exceptionally strong women's uh, international team. So what's amazing about these teams is they're largely sister clubs of the men's team. So there's, you know, they organize themselves incredibly well. They need very little help from us. We largely give them uh, grants and money, uh, you know, some funds here and there, but largely access to equipment that they might normally not be able to get in their region. It's interesting to see a tweet the other day. You talked about uh, a 200% growth in women's teams. Yes. Yes. So that 200% growth uh, lies strictly in what we've able uh, to get started in the last uh, six months or so. We have uh, 10 new women's teams on the continent. Uh, We put out the Women's Playing Initiative back in November last year. And from then, we've just had, you know, people saying we had no idea we've never done anything like this before uh, within AFL Europe please can you help us absolutely so that 200% growth whilst it's a small number actually still does represent a 200% growth in our game and how did the women's playing initiative come about and what's involved in it Uh, we were actually approached uh, by women in the London League who said you know what this is a passion project for us Uh, my first two months 
uh, within the role, I had a lot of people come into our office. Um, we're based in the Australian Embassy in London. They sat down and said, we've got, you know, this is a, a hobby for us. This is a passion project. These are the, this is what we want to do. Can you help us? And I had two women uh, sit down, Jess and Tess, uh, who are playing uh, in Adelaide right now, I'm happy to say, sat me down with a very, very impressive business plan and said, this is what we think needs to be done in order to grow the women's game within Europe, not just within the UK and London, where we're already really strong, but let's take the format that we have here and roll it out to the continent. And that's what we've been doing. And as you said, it saw that increase in numbers. But I guess the one thing I do have to ask, how do you coordinate it all, considering, unlike the US and Canada, the different languages you also have to encounter? We, we don't... Well, I'm fortunate in that most people actually do speak English uh, in some capacity on the continent. Um, it's, we have bigger issues outside of, outside of language. There are massive financial discrepancies amongst the countries. I mean, we, we have 22 countries in our federation and they all function on very, very different levels and need a multitude of different elements of, of assistance from us. Sometimes it's not, you know, particularly financial. It could be organizational. Uh, some people need databases from us. They need equipment um, or they need skills. They need uh, to under, they, we need to send somebody on site to actually do training programs. The language barrier, funnily enough, is actually the least of our problems. Um, everybody is fairly upwardly mobile if, if they get themselves organized to play the sport uh, because the, there's challenges with this uh, sport perhaps not being rugby or soccer or something that's a little bit more familiar. So I found that the people that actually engage with us, um, I think everybody speaks English. It's, it's not really been a problem. It's more, it's more cultural, it's more financial, um, and quite frankly, distance. Uh, for example, in Sweden, there's like a, I don't know, a, like a thousand kilometer, di- you know, uh, distance from one team to the next. So actually, getting teams to play cross inter- intrastate or interstate, that's actually our biggest challenge. Also, I guess one of the challenges would have to be uh, playing venues. I mean, we talk about here in Australia at the moment, there's also the debate of, obviously, we've got plenty of playing venues, but also having facilities for women to be able to change in. Uh, What is it like trying to source some type of quality venue that you can play Australian football on over throughout Europe? Well, we're lucky in that we play nine aside most of the time, especially um, from a women's perspective. But we play at rugby grounds. We play at uh, soccer soccer grounds. We have plenty of uh, amateur and sort of state-level grounds that we have access to. Um, Funnily enough, our biggest issue is getting posts, is getting posts and point posts and padding. Uh, That is is largely our our biggest issue. Um, Other than that, the girls, everybody is really, they, they just make it happen. Uh, no matter what, we, we, they get the same opportunities as, as the men to play, and they just make it happen. Um, and, well, let's just say nobody's shy. <laughs> of course, you've got a lot of uh, planning to do in the coming months because you've got, uh, first of all, the European Championship in uh, August, and then, of course, I think it's the Niner-Side Euro Cup coming up in October. That's correct. Uh, European Championships is going to be in London this year. Um, it's uh, the Team GB is going to be our, our uh, host this year, which we're really excited about. Um, and this will be 
you know, an apt, an exceptional group of women playing. Uh, I'm particularly excited to see uh, how Denmark and Ireland are going to compete this year because, my goodness, those women are tough as nails. And I, I actually believe a lot of these women have the potential to be competing in Australia in the coming years. Um, so European Championship is going to be really exciting. It happens every three years for us, and it is the segue into IC17. So everybody's goal for uh, European Championship is to, to make our way um, over to Melbourne next year. And in terms of our Euro Cup, um, it's that is you know uh, European Champions or uh, Champions League is club. European Cup, Euro Cup is is country, and we've got a very very strong uh, five or six women's. Uh, countries represented so it's every year it's getting stronger and stronger and uh, we're going to hopefully get to a full um, 18 to 19 19 aside at some point soon and of course as you said it's building up to the international cup in 2017 uh, Ireland of course have won it once uh, they lost last year, lost a couple of years ago to Canada they've been regular participants um, they've virtually been the only side from Europe but we know the GB Swans have come along their fundraising to get across there has there been any development from other European countries whether by themselves or as a joint European team uh, to be able to field a side and travel across well we're Still waiting to see. France France has has come on particularly strong. I, I mean, I, I think uh, France is going to be really, really exciting to watch at the European Championship because they've they've really ramped up their game incredibly. The GB Swans I couldn't be more prouder of um, their ability to organize themselves and their focus and intensity on training has been absolutely second to none. But Scandinavia, their national teams, uh, we're we're hoping that. You know, say if, you know, I do expect uh, Norway, Sweden, and Denmark to pot- potentially field a team for IC17. If they can't, then we'll develop our European Crusaders again or a Scandinavian team uh, to include Finland. So we've got a couple of very strong candidates in Finland. Uh, I, you know, I think, I think these, these women, they're, they're tough as nails. Absolutely incredible um, if we can see a Scandinavian team or a Crusaders team organize themselves for IC17 um, I'm trying to figure out ways to, to get them fundraising because they absolutely deserve to be there and compete we talk about some Americans in Katie Klatt and uh, Kim Hemingway who just played recently in the SCG. They uh, play in the USAFL. They flew across in February to the Sydney AFL National Talent Female Search and uh, uh, did well there and obviously got selected for those sides and they both performed well. From the European perspective, uh, what needs to be done going forward to be able to not necessarily guarantee a spot in one of these sides in 2017, but to develop that pathway to at least be able to trial and be seen in the eyes of recruiters Cruise and be considered for a spot. Well, we we run the uh, the Irish talent program out of this office for the men, and we've done I think a pretty pretty amazing job at it the last couple of years. My predecessor Ben McCormack uh, started this with Ty Canelli, and we've you know the men's program in Ireland, and we do send. Uh, I've got seven recruiters that work that work within my group. We send them to the continent to look at talent as well. We've got talent coming out of Germany and Denmark on the men's side. On the women's side, I couldn't be more excited to have people look at the Irish girls in particular. I rave about our Irish girls on a regular basis. Um, there's a strong connection between uh, Gaelic football and hurling. 
and our Australian girls come over here, play Gaelic, play hurling, then play AFL, and two of the girls have gone over and got recruited by the Crows. So I think that there's a strong potential for us to maybe possibly have a recruit, or I mean a uh, um, scout, actually look at the Irish girls and see what sort of talent we have over there, because I think it lends perfectly, exactly the same as it lends to the men's program, into the women's program. And finally, before we let you go, Megan, of course, we know that a lot of Australians like to do the backpacking thing. They go across to England for two years, and while they're in England, they like to travel around Europe. And, of course, they get, you know, the, the cold feet. They want to play footy again. You know, it's in the blood. And not only just play, but obviously volunteer. So if women are thinking about taking up that visa option for a couple of years over to England to travel around Europe, um, who can they contact? What can they do to try and get involved and help grow Aussie rules while they're overseas? Call, get in touch with us. Uh, get in touch with myself. Get in touch with Sarah Angarello, um, who actually runs our community programs. The easiest way to get in touch with us is on Twitter, uh, Facebook, on Instagram, or at admin at aflurope.org. We encourage everybody who's coming over to get in touch with us. We can certainly put them in touch with a team, depending on where in Europe or where in England they're going to land. There's a massive social element to it. One of the best things an Aussie can do when they get off the boat is get in touch with us and get get involved either by playing or socially with one of our local teams. Well, Megan, thank you very much for joining us on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. We wish you all the very best this year with all the plannings of the European Championships and Euro Cup coming up. And, of course, uh, all the best success in a year and a half time for the International Cup. Thanks so much. Thanks for having me. Now time to concentrate on the third of the AFL Women's Exhibition matches that was held over the weekend. This one was held at the main stadium, otherwise known as Subiaco, in WA. It was a good old-fashioned derby between the Eagles and the Dockers. In the end, it was West Coast that ran rampant over the Frio Dockers. But the game really served as a trial. Who would be the best 22 WA players to take on the Western Bulldogs, Victorian-based players, in June at Etihad Stadium. That's why we've got on the line not only the coach of the West Coast Eagles, she's also the coach of the WA State women's side in Martine Pearman. Martine, thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, Pete. I guess the first question we need to ask is, did you have a big bag of popcorn there in the coach's box, sit back and enjoy the Kira Phillips show? Oh, well, she was outstanding, wasn't she? Um, Cuzzy's worked really hard in the off-season um, to find some form and to get her fitness up. And we're just really proud of how she went about playing on the weekend. Um, she uh, was playing a specific role for us and she just stood up. And she's just a you know, very talented player. And I'm just really pleased for her that she's found that form. Um, and she certainly answered her critics. Indeed, and I heard that she had actually had an injury uh, interrupted pre-season. Yeah, look, you know, she's um, sort of taken it upon herself to set some goals and, um, yeah, she carried an injury, but she certainly overcame that and um, the way that she's applied herself, she's certainly working towards being an elite player and um, to put her hand up um, in the national comp. So um, all all good for her, I say, and um, as I said to her after the game, you know, she did herself proud and um, she's really pleased and I'm really pleased with her progress. Even though we talk about her five goals, I guess one thing you have to be pleased with is the even spread of goals. Two to Miller, two to Smith, two to Randall, Spryland and, uh, and Angel also chipping in. 
yeah, look, you know, I was I was really pleased with those girls' performances, and um, they they went out there um, knowing that it was a state selection game, and so the girls certainly stepped up and put their hand up for selection. It's going to be a very tough job in in selecting the side, but those girls in particular certainly you know put those goals um, on the scoreboard. And Hayley Miller, um, she she unfortunately went down in in the first minute of the game from the first centre bounce, and has popped out at the end with a broken leg. So to go back on again um, and kick those two goals is just a, a courageous act um, so we see how she travels over the next couple of weeks and what her prognosis is and um, yeah but really pleased with those girls and how they performed. That's incredible to have that and to be able to fight on through the remainder of the game because we did see her go down with the, some excruciating pain in just the first 60 seconds and if I'm correct I think she landed on it again later in the game. Yeah, look, she came off the ground and unbeknowing to us, she had a fracture in her fib. So um, we thought she just um, suffered a cork. Um, didn't end up being like that. And we made the decision to put her back on the ground again. Um, and we put her down in the forward line because we knew that she wasn't as mobile as what she normally is. Um, but yeah, she, you know, she, she did a fifey and, and pushed through with, with that um, injury. Um, so yeah, I, I certainly do feel a bit bad knowing that she had a fracture but obviously it was um we were none the wiser we just thought it was cork so her performance was outstanding considering that injury i guess one of the comments was during the third quarter the body count i think we counted three or four players going down during that term it was a brutal contest yeah, you know, the girls obviously played really hard, contested footy, and, and that was one of sort of the me- the messages to both groups um, from West Coast and Frio that we wanted the girls to attack the footy, play hard, and we're obviously renowned for that as a state. Um, and we certainly came out at the end with a few injuries. There was um, a, a broken nose. Um, there was a, a hard contested scenario, and Brooke Hongo obviously came off the ground with a bit of concussion. Emma Swanson was concussed. Sorry, Palandry is unfortunate knee injury. We're not sure what the outcome is of that it well, that is at the moment. She's gone for an MRI, so hopefully she'll pull up okay. Um, and then obviously Miller's leg. And from an Eagles perspective, you must be happy with Denellen and Green's game, 22 and 20 possessions respectively. Yeah, look, those girls, you know, they're really professional with how they apply themselves. And um, Juddy obviously is such a magnificent leader and she certainly um, took on that role as captain of West Coast. And um, we had you know, one training session both sides um, and she led that team very well as she always does and played her role. Um, Brianna Green, I spoke to her today and, you know, she's just an outstanding kid who's really, you know, moving at a quick rate and the way that she sort of applied herself in the game and um, she took on her role as she always does but she just reads the the play really well and um, she's certainly going to put her hand up um, for selection in a national comp um, so those girls were just brilliant in, in their performance and um, they yeah they certainly was in our best ons. Well, it's interesting to see the ruck battle between, I think, is it Chout versus Frederick Traub? Uh, similar height, but clearly different body types. Yeah, look, Susie um, was probably one of our best ons um, on Saturday and I was just really 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 happy with how she performed um, she's had a little bit of an interrupted pre-season but her second and third efforts were phenomenal so um, she certainly challenged Sabs and um, Sabs obviously has that versatility where she can go forward and then, and then plays in the right but Susan's vertical leap is is one of the best that we have in WA so um, she's played a state opens comp I think in 2013 um, and she's certainly on her way back again to playing very good footy and she 
should be excellent for Swan Districts um, for round one next week. And good to see the form of Jessica Wuchner as well. Yeah, look, Wuchner obviously, um, I think she's had a, a couple of injuries that she's been carrying over the pre-season and um, she's just electric down, has a small crumbing forward um, and she's working her way back to full fitness. So, um she certainly had an impact in the forward line for Dockers when they struggled at times with their forward 50 entry, but she always makes the most of every opportunity that she gets when she is around the ball. And as we talk about the Dockers side, which must, I guess, in a way be strange for you because, in a way, you're coaching against them, but you're also hoping for them to perform well because you obviously want them for your WA State side. Um, I look at Renee Forth, led by example all day, including one great rundown tackle. Yeah, look, it was a bit of a difficult scenario for me because I was obviously coach of West Coast, but um, been involved with running the High Performance Academy where we selected the 44 players to form both sides and both Eagles and Dockers came on board and supported the concept really well and so it turned into a derby match. However, um, I certainly, when I got home, I sat down and, and watched the game a couple of times and I'll certainly watch it again and to give the girls some feedback. And As I said, we're u- utilising the game um, for state selection and Renee Forth led by example in a, in a difficult um, contest between the sides. Um, she's such a hard worker, great leader um, and yeah, she certainly um, contested well and that rundown tackle was you know, a, a good, a good um, sight to see um, from a coaching perspective. Let's have a look ahead now. You've got to split the squad in a way. I believe you've got the senior women's, which I guess you're calling your first WA side, taking on the Western Bulldogs in June and roughly around the same time you have an under-23 side. Yeah, look, we, we play in June against the Vicks on their home soil and then two weeks later we're we're off to Queensland for the 23s. So our squad um, certainly will be defined by an under-23s group and an open, opens group, uh, but we're certainly looking at bringing up um, some of those under-23 girls to play in both. Um, we certainly work hard as a coaching group to get those girls up if we can, and we've got some some brilliant talent within the 23s group that certainly could put their hand up for open selection. Um, so that's a luxury that we have. We're going to have a big squad and we'll be training together. So it's great that we can integrate integrate the two two groups. Um, that training starts tomorrow night. The squad gets selected um, and today. It finishes. I'm doing the ring around now and then the announcement will be tomorrow. Um, but, yeah, really looking forward to having that large group of players where we can certainly train with big numbers and that makes your job a lot easier. What's the philosophy been for the state coaches? Is it to, be, to pick the best 22 for their senior women's squad or is it a case of even one or two players that are really impressive that look like they'll be guaranteed to be drafted to be left out in favour of some players you might want a second or third look at? No, I think, you know, we'll always pick the, the best squad possible. Um, uh, at the end of the day, we've got you know those large numbers and that versatility to be able to look in that younger age group. We certainly do that, but we will pick the strongest 22 players in the Open Women's State team that fill the roles that we need them to fill. Um, it's going to be a tough job to pick it. Um, but at the end of the day, you know, we make the right decision and the coaches, you know, we've got a great coaching group um, heading into both these games. Both the same coaches will coach both teams. Um, so we think that that's going to work in both groups' favour. Um, we're all very united on the same page and each coach brings a different aspect. So I'm looking forward to working with all the other coaches. 
Is it daunting to coach the WA side, considering you're taking over from Michelle Cowan in that historic year last year, uh, beating the Vicks for the first time ever? Um, look, I'm really honoured to coach the team, really proud to have such a fantastic group of athletes underneath me. Um, is it daunting? Uh, I think in the beginning I, I sort of took a step back and thought, geez, you know, I've got a lot, a lot to live up to with what Michelle had achieved. I've worked very closely with her. She's been a mentor. Um, I've learnt a lot from her, but I certainly have taken this role on and I'll make it into whatever I want to make it into. And um, it's a challenge, but I'm certainly ready for it. I feel very prepared and um, I'll certainly give it the best shot that I can. Um, but as I said, I'm, I'm really ready to take on this role and I'm really looking forward to the challenge um, but I've got some fantastic people around me and some fantastic players to work with and we certainly will implement a game plan and a few um, different things this time around um, we know the Vicks will um, put on or the, the Western Bulldogs side will put on um, a great show over there and We'd love to be able to retain our title. And the same with the 23s against the Queenslanders. They're going to be a strong unit. Um, and at the end of the day, we we'll take on any challenge that we're faced with. And I guess, Josh, closely on a, on a personal side, uh, have you been retained by Melbourne for the September clash coming up against the Bulldogs uh, on that bye weekend between the last round and the finals of the men's? Look, at this stage, um, you know, my awareness is that um, we will be coaching in that scenario. I'm yet to speak to Debbie Lee about that, but I'll wait to hear. Um, if we get that opportunity again, it would be you know, a privilege to, to work with the um, other Melbourne coaches and be involved at Melbourne again. They've been so supportive um, and have obviously been trailblazers in um, creating um, history when it comes to women's footy. So I'd be really honoured to be part of that coaching group again if the opportunity's there. If it's not, so be it. Um, however, um, I'm I'm hoping we get that last opportunity to be part of something great to finish off um, the series against Western Bulldogs. Well, Martin, thank you very much again for joining us on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast. We wish you all the very best in the coming weeks for the WA state side and the WA under-23s. And, of course, for yourself, for the Coastal Titans who are kicking off this weekend with their defence of the WA WFL League Premiership. Thanks for having me, Peter. Now, before we wrap things up here on the girlsplayfooty.com podcast, we're going to flash back to Sunday, the 10th of April, the post-game of our girlsplayfooty.com radio match of the day between Seaford and Cranbourne, where the Cranbourne Eagles got up by just three points in a thriller in front of somewhere between three to 400 people. An amazing atmosphere at RF Miles Reserve. Now, our player of the day uh, happens to be involved in the Vic Women's Academy it's developed her game and she did fantastic across defence for the Cranbourne Eagles. Her name is Danielle Hardiman. We awarded her best on ground and here's our interview with her immediately after the game. Our player of the day who wins the $50 Rebel Sport voucher in uh, Danielle Hardiman. Uh, Danielle, we can see your bright red. That game must have taken it out of you today. Oh, definitely did. Just a tad hard there. <laughs> Look, you took about, I don't know, I think we'd say 15 or so marks. Is that been a strength of your game or something that you thought you really needed to stand up today with the, with the pressure of the Tigerettes? Um, I think 12 marks has always been a strong point, probably one of my best strengths. But, yeah, just sticking them well, I've got a good game. It's always good. Yeah, the girls played well. Lots of hard work getting out that 50 in the last quarter, but we held on strong, so 
How important was it to rebound today after last week having to come up against the best of the best in Darabin and having to rebound today and get the four points? Yeah, it was really hard. I think the girls stood up a lot as well. We felt like we had more time after playing against Darabin, a lot more space and stuff. But, yeah, it's just <laughs> hard stuff. <laughs> um, um, I thought that... Uh, you guys almost looked out on your feet in the in the last quarter. Was, yeah. I mean, does the the you know the two injuries that you had did that? Did, do you think that had much of a toll on the back half of the game? Um, yeah. Well, I know Lee. She did her ankle. I think first quarter. She's just come back from injury. She's always good running and. I think playing extra five minutes each quarter yeah, this year yep. as well it takes a toll on our girls. And yep. I know I'm still sore from playing against Darabin. They <laughs> run us to the complete ground, but yeah. <laughs> but it doesn't matter because you got the win, and that's yeah. what's important. <laughs> Excellent job today by Cara Moody as well, having yeah. to come up against the bigger body Kate Gillespie Jones. Yeah, no, nah, Cara stood up a lot. She had a good preseason in the academy, so yeah, she's really stood up. She was great in Iraq last year, but definitely improved in all her kicking. And we've got her sister as well now, so it gives her a bit of a rest, more legs. And, that, and someone has to tell them to do different hairstyles because yeah. they look very similar out there. On and the yeah. same with the hosking on the other yeah, side. Yeah. It looks exactly the same. Exactly. Yeah. Also impressed today by Ashley Fennell and some of the marking that she did across the centre wing. Yeah, Ash is, yeah, she's always a strong part in our game. Always goes in super hard, not afraid to get hurt. So she's always really good. Absolutely. I thought you guys were really hard at Condi. Is that something you've been uh, focused on in pre-season, getting that, that, being that really hard at the football, knowing that you're going to come up with someone with the skill of Derriban? Is that something you've really focused yeah. on? Yeah. We, yeah, stuff. definitely like that. And all our tackling last year, tackling probably wasn't our strong point. But, yeah, pre-season we really tried with our tackling, sticking them as well. So I think we did a great job today with all that. Absolutely. Well, it seems the girls are doing the warm-down, so we better let you go shortly and enjoy something you'll have to keep in your memory. Not only was it a three-point win, but this is actually Cranbourne's first win in the VFL women's competition. Yep. So, yeah. So chalk that one up on the board. Congratulations on being the yep. player of the day. You get the $50 ah, Rebel Sport you. voucher. Soak it in and enjoy it and look forward to the rest of yeah, 2016. Sure. Thank you. Thanks very much. And, of course, a reminder that you can listen to girlsplayfooty.com radio on girlsplayfooty.com or search via TuneIn on your phone. That's the TuneIn app for Girls Play Footy every Sunday afternoon from 1.30pm for our VFL Women's Match of the Day. This Sunday, that's coming up, the 17th of April, we'll be at Osborne Park in North Geelong to cover the Geelong Magpies versus Diamond Creek. Join us Sunday, 1.30pm. I'm Peter Holden. It's been great having your company and I look forward to bringing you soon another girlsplayfooty.com podcast. Until then, bye for now.